Hey everyone, and welcome to The Path. This is episode number four of season two. My name is Roselle Gonzalez, helping you find your way. Today we have a story of starting over, of great resilience. And my special guest today is Paula Champini. How are you today? I'm doing great. So happy to be here. I'm so happy to be here. Look, we matched today. We did. We coordinated. We, we called each and other. We yeah, called each accidentally, other. Accidentally, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, today's story is about starting over. Um, it's a story of um, overcoming grief and rebuilding a new family. And uh, I think that her story is extremely inspiring for people who um, might be dealing with the same situation or just, you know, trying to step into a new place in their life, right? So maybe, Paula, just uh, take us back and, and tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and um, a little bit about your background. So I'm sitting here with you today because of my past experience, and uh, I decided to start sharing my stories similar to you. And our family story is quite unique, and it is sad, but like you said, um, there is uh, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, right? So back in uh, 2014, my first husband, Dean, was diagnosed with ALS. And that is a horrible degenerative terminal disease. And we had three young children at the time, and it hit us right in the prime of our lives, out of left field, and uh, really rocked our entire world, our family, our community, because we were very involved in our community. How old were your children at the time? So I have three children, uh, a son, Luke, and two girls, Grace and Sophie, and uh, they were nine, seven, and five. So very young. Um, and uh, a part of our story is the fact that and what resonated with a lot of people was how did you do it, right? How did you manage all that with your children and dealing with, a, with an ill husband? And... Uh, Really, uh, I'm very proud to be where I am today, but I couldn't have been here without the support, again, of my family, um, our community, and our friends. But from day one, um, we sought help, and I sought help. And I think it's super important, especially in today's society, to get rid of that taboo that you know everyone can do it themselves or keep it quiet, keep it to your family, deal with your own. Um, I can tell you my kids are doing as well as they are today, because we sought help and we were honest and upfront and explained what was happening. Those were probably some of the hardest conversations, um, but they were little. And uh, we took the approach of we were going to deal with this as a family. And uh, we took it one day at a time. The kids watched as their dad got more ill and less able. And I watched my kids lose a little bit of their innocence, but I watched a something blossom in them and I watched this empathy and this natural caring come out of them where they were there to help their dad take that final step to the table or you know offer to help him with his water um, and uh, things that you know you wish they wouldn't have had to but they've learned these lessons young and I think this really has shaped them and continues to shape who they are um, as these young adults that they are now. You, you say that with like so easily and I can't even imagine you know the hardship that you went through um I followed your story you know this is what five years ago approximately yes, yes. um it was a very it was a very public story mm -hmm. right um 
it was sh- you you decided to share your entire story right through we did and i think when i look back now i realize we needed to i mm-hmm. think we needed to focus take all the like scary nervous energy and put it to good mm-hmm. because we knew that dean we knew the end game we just didn't know when but we knew the end game mm-hmm. and so we had to say, okay, you know what? We got involved with the ALS Society of Quebec, which is an amazing organization, and we just put all our energy there and mm-hmm. said, we know there's not gonna be a cure in time for Dean, but we're gonna we're gonna try to help future families like ours. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of the face for a while. Um, and this was about at the time of the whole ALS ice bucket it challenge, was, it right? It was crazy it that was it, it, it was I actually I, thought that that was started because of your family, but no, it was not, right? No, it wasn't. Um, it was actually, ironically, um, I think Because did he summer, not do that He absolutely challenge? did. He was challenged by his brother, um, I think, the summer prior. Uh, we didn't really know anything about it. We had to look it up. We had to... So maybe just because some, for some people who are watching it are not familiar with what this whole ice bucket, yeah. bucket challenge, like, let us know, like, remind us of what that was. So... Um, I probably won't be able to do it justice, but it was really this whole initiative was started to raise awareness for this disease that's considered, you know, not so mainstream. There's not drugs for it yet, so it's not a popular disease for people to fund. Well, I think that the only example of ALS that most people know is uh, Stephen Hawkins, right? Sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. And then there's some other really, you know, famous athletes. And, and then there's just the regular Joe Blows that y- you like and when you don't know what the disease is, they needed a big campaign. And uh, basically, you're throwing a bucket of ice over your head because, you know, when ice, you jump into cold water and your whole body just like you lose your breath. Mm-hmm. Well, the disease does that to you. It really debilitates you and you, you, you freeze. You're frozen in your own body. So it's kind of a, a metaphor for what happens. And, and so, at that yes, summer, it became sort of like the fun thing for everybody to do, to do, right? And I don't know if people were always following up with donations, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it, it was... It did bring awareness. It brought awareness, and it did bring some funds. So um, not to get off track, but um, for our family, we said, yeah, we're, we're doing this. Uh, we're going to raise awareness. We did tons of media. Um, and, uh, and obviously, Dean's battle was very short. And those were all his choices and decisions. And uh, he made those decisions for us. Hence why we're here and hence why I've been able to start over. Uh, we all have. And uh, Dean's battle was um, 22 months. And uh, after that, we had to pull back a bit. We had to move away from the ALS. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was actually my youngest, Sophie, uh, who was little, the, the baby of the family at the time. and. After Dean had passed, she said, I don't want to be the ALS family anymore. And I realized in that moment, and that was a pivotal moment for me, that we did all we could do. Uh, We did the best we could do. We supported Dean all the way and all his wishes. And now my little one was basically saying, let's pull back, (laughs) right, without articulating that. And uh, that's what we did and and it was kind of been a part of my journey anyway that I knew okay it's me and the kids and I have to figure out what's next and what drove me from day one was always Dean saying um this disease cannot take 
the five of us. So you need to plug forward and make a life for our kids and yourself. And I always had that at the back of my mind. That just just him saying that is um, like that is such selfishness. You know, like uh, he's so uh, no sorry unselfishness selflessness. Yes. That was really it's bad. hard. There's too many. I know there's too many looks. Yeah, <laughs> being so like thinking of you yes. all first, right? For sure, and and that like, and, and such courage. I find one hundred percent, and that's a part that um, of this new chapter of my life. Um, that I feel blessed about. And a lot mm-hmm. of people, when I use the words, I feel so fortunate and I feel so blessed, they're like, hmm, it confuses them or they, they yeah. don't understand it. How, why are you blessed and, and you feel happy after such a loss? And it's because I appreciated what I had mm-hmm. and you know you want that again. And I know the gift that I was given, which was, please, not, not just can you, make sure you move forward and do it without guilt. And that's why I'm here today. Um, that's why I write my blog. What's it called again? So people It's uh, Living It Up, a little play on words, Up, Unapologetically Paula. And uh, really, the whole point is, I want other people who maybe didn't get the opportunity to ha- have someone say, you better move forward, right? Who, who are maybe lost someone quickly to a heart attack who didn't have 22 months to prepare like we did mm-hmm. um and I, i'm not saying we didn't have our challenges and it wasn't so difficult and but w- i could prepare and i'm a type a type girl and i like all my things my ducks in a row just like i wrote in my last blog um it saved me that i had time because i was able to plan prepare protect do everything i needed to yeah even though when the time comes it's still brutally difficult. Um, but I didn't have to worry. And, and I, I wrote my blog to say, uh, yeah, it might look like everything. Our life is so wonderful. And it is. But it took a lot of bumps in the road mm-hmm. to get there. And sharing my story, um, even just little tidbits, um, even my first blog, which I called The Spark, which is talking about my husband, Blair. Um, my and new husband. My new husband, Blair. Mm-hmm. And uh, how everything came to be with us and his story and my story together. I wrote it to share thinking, maybe I'll reach like one person out there who is like too scared to take that step or just give someone a little confidence to say, yes, I'm going to. I'm going to try. I'm going to choose to be happy. Um, the and that touches fun? upon so many things, right? Oh my like God, yes. Choosing to be happy and like, I mean, we're saying it so easily now and I know that it was not easy at all, but the decision to move towards happiness, the decision oh. to um, detach and to start over right. and say that this is the end of one chapter and, and I, still have, I still have so much more to offer. Absolutely. Right. And being so young, too, and having young kids, I'm like, they are going to mimic me. Mm-hmm. They, they mimic my moods, like even now as teenagers, right? It, the second they see you're, you're sad, you're upset, what happens? Your teenagers all of a sudden morph into these, you know, emotional, wonderful people. Uh, when I'm in a bad mood, they're to steer clear of mom, right? Mm-hmm. And so I knew that they were watching all my progression. And I could see that when they saw that I was happy, 
or excited to be going on a date for the first time in 20 plus years uh, once I told them, right? Like when it was appropriate for children to be looped in, um, it was like, well, if she's happy, then I can be happy too because mm-hmm. kids are so resilient, right? We read that, we learn. There's not a lot out there um, on childhood grief, um, which is what I wanted to write about too, is that kids, um, kids are different than adults. They grieve, they're sad, they go through all the same things. But um, I was taught it's all about peaks and valleys, right? So out of the blue, they'll be grief-stricken, like you won't even know what, when and where it came from. Mm-hmm. And then other times they're so happy, you see the snickers and the looks from other people who are like, how are those but kids so happy if they lost their know, dad? I need to ask you, though, like, I can't imagine the amount of pressure that might have been on your shoulders, right? So you're saying that my children mimic my moods. Uh, I have to be, I have to kind of like be on top of everything because they are relying so much on me, right? Yes. So like, you know, when you when you were still, you know, with Dean and, yeah. and you heard, you know, you found out what the diagnosis yeah. was, um, did something go on in your head to say like, I got to stay strong, like I got to, yeah, you know. it did. And like, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, yes. Like, did you have, you did not give yourself the chance to like fall apart or to... I did. I definitely did. But I had to do it behind closed doors, right? Yeah, it um, must be so hard. And I had to do it in a protection mode because he was already dealing with his own fate and everything that came with that. So and do you mean like behind, clo- like from him and your children? Yes. Yes oh and no. yes and no. So in the beginning you're you're just a puddle, right? So I had to learn quickly that okay, um I have to accept this fate, but I, I'm also still a mom and I still have to go to hockey practice and I still have to make lunches and I still have to work and I still So am none a of wife. that stopped? No, none of that stopped. It you couldn't. worked the entire time? Yep. Really? Well I needed to. It was and, your like uh, therapy. Yeah, no, I needed to because life had to go on. So I've said it in the past, and and again, people have a hard time understanding it, but ALS was just another layer, and that sounds so simplistic, um, but it really was another layer to our family because everything else had to still go on. Um, And I think that's why we came out of it, was because um, I still had to be the mom at school sewing costumes. I still had to show up for my meetings at work, and you just change with every change which sometimes was happening every month to every week to every day you just have to adapt and and we did and um the kids adapt along with you and it it sounds so simplistic but it is so behind closed doors sometimes meant crying in the shower Mm -hmm. just to get it out Mm -hmm. right um but again because my brain works that way i knew what i had to do all along the way Mm -hmm. and then I had to seek help for myself right I needed to see a therapist who said hey Paula your kids are only going to be okay if you're okay so I learned that really early because I I remember my first day in therapy and I said okay so like what do I have to do here to get my kids through this and like have them be successful in the long run and she's like well why don't we start with With you you. (laughs) and that was a huge moment for me that was like a light bulb moment and so my workout started again because fitness and health is super important to me 
and everything else did too. And so that's a, you know, that's a message for everyone. You know, like Paula's situation is, you know, very serious, very grave, but it just, in everyone's life, they, the only person that you can really work on is yourself, right? Like you can't change you can't change anyone else no, around even, you. Even, um, but you might influence by changing yourself. Exactly. But even for my kids, like um, now they're teenagers. Well, Sophie's a preteen, but, um, you know, we just had Father's Day. And uh, I wrote about this, that uh, people tend to reach out, extended family, when there's occasions, right? And how are the kids? And how are you? And, and I, I always have to, like, take a deep breath and say, this is someone projecting, yes, they care, and they're trying to find, but they're projecting how they would feel on these days onto my kids. My kids miss their dad every day of the year. And some days, like Father's Day, might spike, you know, or might not. But again, what you do in life, and what I've drilled into my kids' head, and I've shown them, is that you have a choice. You can stay in bed all day on Father's Day and cry, which their father would not have wanted. It was actually a big fear for him to imagine them not moving forward or we choose to honor him that day so my words can sound like oh they're very scripted like we're going to honor him and not cry well we do that's what we do right so we have fun we order chinese food we eat junk we do what the stuff he liked to do and now we've incorporated it into our blended family so now we have our extended family doing the same thing talk to us a little bit about your new family so you know the past comes into your future as we know and uh anyway blair and i have this wonderful blended family again yes the kids all snicker when they hear us say our big beautiful blended family how many um, so there's seven kids <laughs> not all of them live with us but uh two of my stepsons do and uh, we, again, uh, this family has two pasts and now this wonderful future together. And uh, we honor those paths and we create all our own new traditions. And, uh, and it was for Blair and I, we realized we were setting an example for both his kids who come from a family of divorce and mine from a family where they've lost their father, mm-hmm. that um, you have to choose happiness you have to choose to work at things you Mm -hmm. have to choose at wanting to blend your family and blend your traditions and uh and then for me there's a second part not only am i happy and my kids are our kids are of course there's ups and downs i'm saying generally everybody Mm -hmm. um but now share that now give back Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so for me it's through my stories and sharing this story Mm-hmm. And Roselle, I was blown away um, at the response to my first blog about the spark, which is Blair and I, and how um, sometimes you're well received as a new couple, mm. but then you have just family whose heartstrings are still there, who might be a little resistant. Of course. Um, and then to all these other people who were like, we are so happy to see you two mm-hmm. together, mm-hmm. your families together, and you know, building a life together. Um, and when I, I heard from so many different people, like I was telling you, not the people you expect to, like, hmm, I wonder if that's going to resonate with that person. Like, random strangers who were like, I'm going through the exact same thing. I'm so happy to hear it. I deserve to be happy, uh, or I'm going to take this chance. And yeah. I'm not saying because of me, but to go, oh, yeah. someone, someone else did. And then writing the, the iceberg, which was about grief, and my experience, I realized I wasn't being truly authentic 
at what I'm saying, I'm unapologetically Paula, with the first blog, because it was all about just falling in love again, never thinking I would, and and feeling all these feelings, even uh, emotions that you that are way stronger than you've ever experienced before, because you've experienced the loss. You appreciate everything else so much more. Um, and then I said, I have to share the part that was hard too. I can't just share uh, how wonderful life is. Mm-hmm. And so that piece, I think, there's is no prob- joy without pain, right? Exactly. <laughs> And I realized uh, that blog took me the longest to write, and I rewrote it because I kept taking different turns. Um, and I haven't started my next blog because I think I'm still just emotionally like, oof, that one was that one was a big one. And uh, it was super important to say, yes, I can sit here now smiling and writing blogs and loving my life, which mm-hmm. is but my favorite saying is, I'm in love with my life. I'm in love with it. I'm in love with my life. And I don't know if I ever could have said that before, not because I wasn't, but because I wasn't aware. Of course. I wasn't aware of everything. And now you appreciate everything. And uh, I shared how hard it is to mother children that are grieving. Of course. Because as a mom, you just want to take it away, right? Mm-hmm. You just want to take their pain away. And uh, I've learned, being the doer that I am, I can't all the time. And sometimes, and the hardest lesson for me was to just, the, the, the expression, I read it somewhere and I use it all the time, sometimes I just have to sit in the dirt with them. Like, literally just sit down and let them get it off their chest. And then the kids pop up and they're like, oh, meeting my friend. Off on their bikes they go. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like I'm like hit by an emotional wave. And they're gone. And that's childhood grief. They, they have their... And they move on. And I'm like, okay, happy you've moved on. My heart's a little. At what age? Like you're saying childhood grief. Like at what age do you think that I think they're changes? still in it. Like, so my kids are now, teenagers. Right? Um, and uh, it, it's so different. And each child mm-hmm. deals with grief differently, just as each adult does. Mm-hmm. So um, my kids, I can't say, have had these huge... Um, meltdown. Do you think that there's um, scarred at all? Absolutely. I think you're, everything leaves traces on your heart. Um, and uh, I mean, anytime there's something could be wrong with them, my brain always goes to the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't hear from Blair like an hour after hockey, I'm like something happened, right? And that's scar tissue, and we'll all carry it. I carry it, and I think you carry it not just from from loss I think you carry it from divorce too like whatever has impacted your life stays there I think that sometimes um it might seem that whatever uh, emotion or let's say if it was uh I don't know mistrust or something like that um, it rears its head it just transforms into something else into like anxiety or whatever anger or or whatever however you you, yeah exactly but um again it's a constant evolving moving thing and you hear or I've heard so many stories um after that blog about um okay I feel and the word normal drives me crazy but it's used (laughs) so much like this makes me feel normal like Mm -hmm. I was getting some resistance from uh my cousin 
let's say. You mean on, moving, on like moving on? On moving forward. Or someone gave me a look or the, and I'm like, okay, you need to decide what's important to you. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that therapist that I love so much that said to me when I introduced the idea of Blair and this man that all of a sudden I wasn't even thinking about me and my future. I was just thinking of my kids. And when I brought Blair up and I said, yeah, I'm getting some, wow, really? And concern, like, are you sure? Are you ready? Are you, right? Which is all natural and normal. But if you get consumed by that, Mm -hmm. it takes away from what you were just so excited about. Mm -hmm. And her words were, who's her? My therapist, Mm. ignore the background noise. It's noise. Mm -hmm. And, or else this feeling and this spark and everything that you have will be extinguished because it will overshadow. You're so strong because um, I'm sure there, there might be, and, and, you know, share if you wish, but there might, must be some situations that you've uh, maybe gotten into where there's non-acceptance, right? And so, how do you deal with that? Like so sometimes you have to be somewhere because of a function or because, right? right? Like, um, So for, for Blair and I, or me specifically, um, there's never, uh, there was never a specific situation. No, people don't tend to come right to your face and say, right? No. It, it always happens in the background within different conversations. And I learned quite quickly that... What are your tips for people for dealing with resistance? And you, like people who want to, they don't do it on purpose, right? But No, and a lot of time it's from their own hurt that exactly. they're not ready or willing you see, see this you a lot with on. like divorces of and course. you know so it's not just with the death blending um, of the families exactly. functions right and you'll see um and you always hear and the thing that that the, the one thing that i struggled with the most were uh friends and extended family who were tormented too right they're feeling loss for one side and happiness for me and there was many situations which there's not even sometimes it's people don't up. know how to act they don't know how to act um but you'd hear one thing and then another and then many of uh, my friends which were friends from my past like couple friends um some are still in my life some are not it's just it's just what happens right mm-hmm. different couples same with divorce some mm-hmm. couple friends stay together and some don't um was they were they were torn between um do I not side, but um, <laughs> right? Like feeling yeah. their own loyalty issue. And I was like, that is not on me. And I mm-hmm. cannot even dip my foot in that pool um, because then you get, you get sucked in and no- nothing good comes of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't really feel like we had a lot of resistance. I think it was more background. Um, it, are they going to be okay? Just like I wrote in my blog, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, right? I'm an yeah. Italian girl, and I grew, <laughs> up, I grew up in a family where when someone's grandfather dies, their grandmother stays in black, in black for, forever. forever. Yeah. Um, and obviously, society's changed since then, mm-hmm. and I would never do that to my children, let alone oh my gosh, myself. Yeah. Can you imagine? But there's gosh. judgment all around, and not just for me. Like the story, I feel kind of, like I said, blessed on how we were engulfed with support and love and I think both we have really great families on both sides and both families were deeply saddened on the pain that 
Blair and I both went through and our families mm-hmm. did and to see us coming together really brought everybody together mm-hmm. and and that's amazing so I really have only more positive than negative but I've heard so many stories of just they're too happy they look <laughs> too like even for me I would get your kids seem so normal, normal. and I'm like yeah they are mm-hmm. they are but they do have dents in their armor and mm-hmm. that they'll carry that for the rest of their life, right? Mm-hmm. And then I hear stories of um, someone who uh, had lost his wife and family was trying to set him up and set him up on dates and just get him out and going. And the judgment was the opposite way, like, what is what is What's wrong, wrong with, with him? Yeah. Why aren't you doing... And, and my whole point of sharing my story is that's okay too. I'm choosing the path... Of happiness because I was ready my heart was ready mm-hmm. right my heart transitioned yeah right and I felt it I knew it the second I, I had I, I wanted to talk to Blair more like mm-hmm. it wasn't just friendship I knew I went oh I think I've I think I've moved to like I'm, I'm, I'm open now I'm open now like now I'm gonna think of me a little bit mm-hmm. which I hadn't in so long but it's also okay for that person who isn't ready and wants to say no I'm going to go to the restaurant where I've had all my anniversaries by myself I'm going to honor my wife this for as long as until he gets to that point so grief has to be judgment free and I know that sounds again like a tagline but everyone at their own rate Mm -hmm. and that's totally okay Mm -hmm. but when someone does choose and you are their support system, ask the question if you feel uncomfortable or mm-hmm. unsure or you're worried about them. Mm-hmm. Show your concern mm-hmm. um, and then support them. Like, support them. Because if it is too early, it's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. And they're going to need you then too. Yeah. Right? So I, I feel so inspired by all of the stories that are shared back with me that I'm like, I didn't think sharing my story would give me as much in return as it has and it's been like tenfold i think that you know when you're able to touch other people and help other people Mm. it makes you feel good too for sure so i mean it's the reason why i'm doing this podcast it's the reason why i do what i do but it's it's enriching absolutely it's really enriching absolutely so what's next on your plate, Paula? Because, uh, you know, you, you you glow. You glow. You you know, I'm so happy that you're loving your life. And yes. um, I'm sure that there's many more projects on your plate. So what are you, what, what's happening this summer? What's happening? So this summer, we're kind of enjoying our first summer with our cottage. And we're okay. spending a lot of quality family time there. Yeah. Um, I keep going through my mind on what my next blog is. Um, and I have a bunch it's of It's going to become a book. You, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I laugh because I'm like, I never liked writing. And, and now it's like my, it's my Look at passion. the captivated audience it's you crazy. have already, right? And so I'm excited to share that my next blog will most likely be on anxiety. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why are you excited about that? But I'm super excited about it because my daughter Grace um, has agreed to partner with me on it and how old is she so grace is 14 okay and she's had her journey with anxiety and she said mom i want to share too because maybe i can 
help someone else by sharing my stories. Which will help her at the same which time. Which will help her, exactly. So I'm super proud of her because she is very private and she says, no, I want to do it. And uh, so I think we're taking the summer to enjoy and we're bouncing some ideas nice. around. And in the fall, I think uh, we'll definitely get something published. Nice. And, uh, yeah. So. so we're going to look out for that blog. Uh, tell them again the name of your blog. It's Living It Up, Unapologetically Paula, a very long title. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> we will put the, we'll, we'll put the uh, URL, the, the link at the bottom of Perfect. our uh, of our. Uh, podcast but thank you so much for coming um thank you for having me she has wonderful messages of hope of inspiration and um if you guys have any questions for paula i'm sure she won't mind if you reach out to her i would love it (laughs) all right thank you so much for watching today um and we'll see you next time thank you bye